From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 10th, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. From designing to printing, Beantown Athletics does it all. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C at DraftKings. Every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season. And it's easy, especially when you play their new baseball feature called Arcade Mode. All you do is pick five hitters and one pitcher. That's right. Just five hitters and one pitcher. And it takes you literally 30 seconds to fill out a lineup. And you can fill out a different lineup every single day for a chance to win every single night so what are you waiting for go to draftkings.com or download their app and play for free by using my promo code pick that's p-i-c welcome to the show on this monday july 10th i am back here inside the beantown athletic studio as you know i took the show remote last week only gave you one show last week on thursday um because it's Kind of weird to have the 4th of July on a Tuesday, right? Like, how do you handle that? Did you take the weekend before and basically take a long weekend in through Tuesday and go back to work on Wednesday? Or did you begin the holiday on Tuesday? Did you go to work Monday, begin it on Tuesday, and take the rest of the week? Or maybe you took the weekend before July 4th and still took the entire week and you're not returning until Today, well, it's good to be sitting back here inside my studio at Beantown Athletics in Dorchester, but um, I'm not going to lie, the post-4th of July portion of the Danny Picard Show is not off to a good start. I, if you've been listening to the show, you know, I have a MacBook Pro, and a lot of things that I do revolve around, we'll call it, the health of my MacBook Pro. It died on me... About, I want to say like three months ago, I went and got it fixed over the holiday. Cost me 200 bucks. Um, it worked for a couple days, and I come in here today to start it. And likely story, you know, per usual, I don't expect anything less. It doesn't fucking work. It's not turning on. So I had to break out my remote equipment, you know, the stuff that I use when I go off location, when I get out of this studio. And uh, I had to bust that out inside the studio, so it's kind of a weird feel for me. And because my computer's not working again, though, and I don't necessarily have a backup computer today to upload this podcast, I'm recording on Monday morning. This might not get to you until Monday night. We'll see. I just called the guy, and I was yelling and screaming, and I said, listen, I paid you a couple hundred bucks. You either give me the fucking money back, or you take this thing right away. And you fix it. And he's like, oh, bring it in right now. I said, well, I can't bring it in right now. I'm about to do a show. And I think when I said I'm about to do a show, he had no idea what the fuck I was talking about. But that's fine. Maybe I'll explain to him when I do bring him my computer. But I'm just trying to let you know how my day is going and how my uh, post-4th of July life is like right now with a, once again, broken laptop. Not a very good start here. Um, to the post-4th of July portion of the schedule. Because once you get past 4th of July, I mean, it really is. It's a sprint to the football season, right? I mean, we'll be there before you know it. We'll be talking NFL before you know it. We'll be talking, you know, DFS, fantasy football before you know it. I'll be bringing in football guests here before you know it. We'll be doing it all. You know, we already printed out the Patriots schedule. I got that sitting in front of me. We've known that for a little bit now. Um, but football season will be here before you know it, because now that we're past the 4th of July, we are at the Major League Baseball All-Star break, and the Red Sox are in first place at the break with 50 wins, 5-0-50. That's the second most wins in the American League behind the Houston Astros, who were just killing it this season, uh, leading their division. Well, they got 60 wins. Um, so the Red Sox are in a good spot. They had a bad series in Tampa Bay over the weekend, losing three of four to the Rays. Uh, but the Red Sox, they enter the all-star break 
in first place, three and a half games ahead of the Yankees, three and a half games ahead of the Rays. The Orioles have fallen out. The Blue Jays are down and out. Um, but the Red Sox are in a good spot. I'll close out the show with some more thoughts on the Red Sox. But as we're in the all-star break in Major League Baseball, you know, then we're going to get to the trade deadline. And like I said then, before you know it, we're going to get to football season. But it's funny. Even with the Red Sox in first place, the top story in this town over the last couple months has been in the NBA. And it's been with the Boston Celtics. It's the tops the Celtics are the top story for a couple different reasons. One, they had the number one overall pick in the NBA draft only to trade it down to number three. And we know they ended up taking Jason Tatum out of Duke. Okay, that's one reason. Two, you know, they had salary cap space and they were linked to a couple of the big name free agents. At least they've been for a while. They got Al Horford, the big name free agent last year. And now they've landed the other big-name free agent, or one of them, in Gordon Haywood to a free agent signing. So back-to-back years, the Celtics have convinced one of the top free agents in the NBA to come play for the Celtics, to come play in Boston. That's a pretty damn good accomplishment if you're Danny Ainge, if you're the Boston Celtics organization. They get Al Horford, then they get Gordon Haywood. On top of it, last year, you know, they were the one seed in the East. They had 53 wins. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And for everything that we're talking about, the reasons why the Celtics are the top story, because they had the number one pick only to trade it to three and take Jason Tatum, and then they signed Gordon Haywood, and because of that, they also had to trade Avery Bradley to Detroit. They bring in Marcus Morris with that move. For all those things there, we're forgetting about the fact that you're going to have Jalen Brown in his second NBA season next year. And when you combine Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, well, what you get is a lot of people focusing on the NBA Summer League right now. And (laughs) it's some bad news for Major League Baseball. I have found myself a little bit more interested in Summer League basketball than regular season baseball games. And you know me. If you listen, I am a diehard baseball fan. I am. I love the game. I don't think the game should change. I don't think they should add a pitch clock. I don't think they should turn it into a seven-inning game. Um, you know, I, I don't think they should limit the number of pitches that you should use in an inning for uh, coming out of the bullpen. I, I, I don't. I don't, I, I don't believe they should change baseball. I love it the way it is, and I do think the other diehard fans are still going to love it. Now, I'm not telling you I don't love baseball. Anymore. What I'm telling you is the NBA Summer League has turned into a legit thing. And, you know, I mock it sometimes on Twitter. Like I tweeted out the other night, it's the Summer League. And I think I I quoted a tweet from ESPN in which they were overreacting to somebody's performance, maybe Lonzo Balls. And I, I quoted the tweet and I said, it's the Summer League. Everybody needs to calm the fuck down. I don't back off that statement. Everybody does need to calm the fuck down, but they need to calm the fuck down about individual performances, okay? I'm not going to get too worked up about it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jason Tatum, his number's going to be retired at the Garden. I mean, maybe one day it will be. I have no idea. But don't you think we're moving a little fast with that one? It's the Summer League. No, I like watching it. I enjoy watching it. Um, I've watched some games that aren't even Celtics related. I've watched Markel Fultz, who sprained his ankle the other day, and he's out for the rest of the summer league. Um, I think Ingram for the Lakers, is he out for the rest of the summer league? You're watching Lonzo Ball. I find myself watching Josh Jackson. Um, I find myself watching these kids. It's a fun thing to watch, but it can be a fun thing to watch. And at the same time, you don't need to react to individual performances in this summer league like these guys are doing it in the NBA playoffs. Like, you can watch the summer league, have a good time watching it, enjoy watching it, and not overreact to individual performances. I'm not going to do it. Lonzo Ball's first game was terrible, right? Ball's first game was terrible. And people were like, oh, he could be a bust. He can't shoot. And I said, listen, I don't like Lonzo Ball mainly because of his dad. His father is just a complete dickhead. 
And every single game that the Lakers play on ESPN in the Summer League, they are interviewing LeVar Ball. And because of him, I don't like his son. But, all right, fine. That doesn't mean you can take one Summer League game or one bad performance in the Summer League and try to convince me that the kid's a bust. It's the Summer League. I mean, it makes no sense to react the way that some people have reacted to some of these individual performances. And I'll take it back to the Celtics. Jason Tatum's had a nice little run in the Summer League. He's looked great. But I think it would be a bigger story if Jason Tatum didn't look great in the Summer League. This is a kid who's coming from Duke. He has all the physical capabilities and the skill set to be a very good offensive player in the NBA. He's a scorer because he can shoot, right? He could shoot at Duke. You would think that if he can shoot at Duke, he'd come to the Summer League to play against kids who would you know, people, the kids are competing, but let's be honest. They're not playing against NBA, actual NBA rosters. So, to me, the biggest story would be if Jason Tatum showed up at the Summer League and he didn't look great. Or if Jalen Brown showed up to the Summer League and he didn't look great. Didn't look great. Look, Jalen Brown is somebody that I think we're sort of forgetting about because... Everyone's so obsessed with the Jason Tatum Summer League success. I got news for you. When the Celtics trade Avery Bradley, you know why they make that move? Sure, they make that move because salary cap implications. You know, there are consequences. When you make a sign-in in the NBA, because there are not a lot of roster spots, because there is a salary cap, you can't necessarily handle it like the NHL because their roster's a larger roster. You can't necessarily handle it like the NFL because their their roster sizes are huge. The NBA isn't. So when you do bring in a key piece and you make a major signing, you know, there are consequences to that. Not just with the salary cap, but also just with the bodies that you have. And when you have a kid in Jalen Brown who progressed the way that he progressed last year, and was the number three overall pick in the draft, not this summer, but the summer before, and he has a year experience under his belt, you should be trying to get him more minutes in his second NBA season. You should. And if you want to tell me that you're trying to get him into the starting lineup, Jalen Brown, then I'm all for it. So Avery Bradley, great defensive player. Um, I think some people wanted him to be a better offensive player than he actually was. But oh, he's a nice, he was a nice piece for the Celtics team. But because of the salary cap, because you brought in Gordon Haywood, you needed to free up some cap space, a couple mil, to give Haywood the max. You obviously take Haywood over Avery Bradley, right? And if you're looking at Jalen Brown, I don't want to make this a knock on Avery Bradley, but... You're hoping that Jalen Brown being selected number three overall is better than Avery Bradley, right? And I think the only way you get there is by playing. The only way you get there is by playing. Not by sitting on the bench. Not by playing 16 to 18 minutes a game. It's being a starting player. It's being a finishing player. And it's somebody that is going to give you 30 plus minutes a night. That's the type of guy that I want Jalen Brown to be. And the only way for him to be that is to, to put him in that spot. So I do think the Avery Bradley trade was a move that was made not just for salary cap reasons, but also the roster spot. And not just the roster spot, we know Jalen Brown's getting a roster spot, but the starting lineup spot. Because if you had traded Crowder, I think you got a better chance seeing, hey, like if you, if you traded Crowder, Avery Bradley's still in your lineup, you're going to go with Gordon Haywood. You're not playing Haywood at the four. And you're not playing Jalen Brown at the four. So you get a better chance to get Jalen Brown in the starting lineup if you get rid of a god, and especially a god that is one of your starters. So Avery Bradley was a nice piece, um, but I thought that, that trade made sense because here's my starting lineup from the Celtics next year. Isaiah Thomas, running the point, obviously, and I'll get to him in a second. Then you got Jalen Brown or Gordon Haywood. Honestly, the two of the three, you can you can mix them and match them any way you want. Brown, Haywood, so Isaiah, Jalen Brown, Gordon Haywood, Jay Crowder, and Al Horford. That's the way this thing's going to be. I know they just signed a big man in Aaron Baines, but 
Who the fuck is Aaron Baines? Six foot ten Senna coming from Detroit, played behind Drummond. He came, he played two or three years in San Antonio. Great. Um, he is not going to come save the day. I think that's a depth piece because you lost a couple big bodies in Amir Johnson. And, I mean, Kelly Olynyk. you lost him too. It, is he a big body? Yeah, he's a big body. But you don't consider him a big guy because Kelly Olynyk was as soft defensively as soft could be for somebody who's seven feet tall. Kelly Olynyk signed a deal with the what the heat for 50 million like i read that every day and i am in complete and utter shock we live in a world folks where kelly olenek is going to make 50 million dollars not 15 550 oh, okay i have to go to stop and shop to cash in my coins at the Coinstar machine after this fucking show, and Kelly Olynyk, just an embarrassment and a puddle on defense, is making fifty million dollars while living on South Beach. He's living the. He's gonna be living the life. Kelly Olynyk, he sucks. Fifty million. It's insane to me. That is so outrageous to me. It's not even funny. But better him making fifty million in Miami than with the Celtics. Right? See you later. Oh, God, he's terrible. 50 million. 50 is the number of times I broke my TV with the remote control during Kelly Olenek's tenure with the Celtics. Because I, I just couldn't watch him try to play defense. He sucked. $50 million. Um, so, I guess you lose a couple of big bodies in Olenek and Amir Johnson, and you bring in a big body and Aaron Baines. But what's he doing for you? He's not your starting lineup. I know you brought in Morris in the Bradley trade. I mean, he's... What's he... He's on trial? What's going on with Morris? I don't even know what he did. He's, is he on trial? Is that what's going on? He might not even be starting the season. Regardless. What's he? Six foot nine. Um, Not a... You know, he's, uh, is he an average defender? I don't know much about the kid, to be quite honest with you. But I do know that getting rid of Bradley and keeping Crowder, you're not, you keep Crowder, you're not, take, you're not keeping Crowder and taking him out of the starting lineup. He's in the starting lineup. So is Al Horford. Um, you don't have Amir Johnson, which means that Crowder is going to be the four. The Celtics are going to stretch this thing out and say, hey, we just added another shooter. And Jalen Brown is going to be someone who's in our starting lineup. And, you know, we're going to play the offensive game. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because there was so many times last year, even in the playoffs for the Celtics, games that they lost, where they would go on stretches, uh, you know, just outrageous stretches where they couldn't score. And all you all you're asking for is for the make the other team take the ball out of the basket, right? Make them get behind the net, baseline, inbound it. All right, don't let them grab a rebound, run the floor, run it up. You can't set up on D. There were so many times last year where I'm looking at the Celtics going and they couldn't score because either Isaiah Thomas was doubled or he was on the bench and they just had nobody else to do it consistently and nobody else that they could really rely upon to be that go-to scorer. You know, you saw flashes from different guys, but let's be honest, outside of Isaiah Thomas last year, averaging close to 30 points a game, who else on this Celtics team did you feel confident in to, to, to be able to give you you know, clutch shots. Like, like to, to, to go on a, to help the team go on a run when Isaiah Thomas, again, was either doubled or out of the game. There was really no one you could trust. So Gordon Haywood, he's a, the biggest part of his signing is the fact that he can shoot and he can be this guy to help Isaiah Thomas score. And I thought last year they could have used someone like Gordon Haywood because last year I'm yelling at the TV going, you know, your best defense needs to be some offense right now. That's what it needed to be. There were so many times where the Celtics' best defense needed to be a better offense. If that makes sense, it should. So um, I think the Gordon Haywood signing is a nice piece. I, I, I Look, I followed the 4th of July Twitter situation with Gordon Haywood. Did he sign... Did he not? What was he doing? He was writing his Players' Tribune piece. That's what he was really doing. And the agent came out and said, oh, no, no, no. He didn't make a decision yet. 
Because, you know, that's how the Utah Jazz found out. They found out on Twitter, right? Uh, and they would just, Gordon Hayward's camp was deny, 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 while they finished writing the Players' Tribune piece. Uh, but that's the world we live in. We live in a world where Kelly Olenek's going to make $50 million living in Miami, just being a terrible basketball player. And we also live in a world where these teams and even players who get traded, they're going to find out on social media before the teams actually call them. That's And before the players tell the teams. That's the, that's the world that we live in. And I, I was following that with Haywood uh, on the 4th of July. But um, I, I think the, the way it was publicized and the way we've talked about Gordon Haywood, my fear is that we've turned him into somebody he's not. He's got to be a very good player. He averaged, what, 21, 22 points a game last year. It was a career high. He's somebody who obviously can shoot, right? He's got a, he's got handle. He can shoot. He's got to be a nice piece. He's somebody that this team needed. I just told you they needed that other guy who could shoot, the other guy that could score, along with Isaiah Thomas. But sometimes I do think we talk about a certain guy so much that we fall in love with them to a point where maybe we're setting the bar a little high. Maybe the expectation level is a little too high with Gordon Hayward right now as if this guy's going to come in and sure, he's going to help and he's going to be somebody that they need. But I don't necessarily know that he's going to be the type of savior to get you by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. But let's not fast forward to the East Finals. Let's play the fucking season first and, and then we'll get there when we get there. But overall, the Celtics offseason has been the top story in this town, even with the Red Sox in first place uh, at the All-Star break. And, you know, for good reason. The Celtics, all this stuff going on, the draft picks, the kids in the Summer League, the Gordon Haywood signing, the Avery Bradley trade, and, uh, you know, what's what's coming next, at, at least I think should be coming next, is the big contract the max contract for Isaiah Thomas. That's right. The max contract for Isaiah Thomas. Some people call him king of the fourth. I mean, it's true. That's what he is. This is somebody that showed up in the clutch in the fourth quarter, um, and he's done it the last couple seasons. Last year, he finished the year third in the NBA in scoring. Averaging close to 30 points a game. The only two players that were better than him, that were better scorers than him, Russell Westbrook, number one, and James Harden, number two. Isaiah Thomas finished third in all of the NBA in scoring. That's a pretty that's a pretty good accomplishment, considering that Danny Ainge basically struck gold by bringing Isaiah Thomas to the Celtics, the trade that he made to acquire him. But now, Isaiah Thomas is entering the final year of his contract. And Isaiah Thomas, once again, for the second straight year, at the NBA Summer League, he was in attendance, watching, not playing, obviously, he was watching. And for the second straight year, he stood there in the concourse talking to A. Sherrod Blakely at the Summer League, talking to A. Sherrod Blakely from Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, I used to work with Sherrod at CSNNE.com, and two straight years now. Last year at the Summer League, literally almost almost a year to the day. I think it was two days prior. Last year, in 2016, Sherrod Blakely talked to Isaiah Thomas, and Isaiah Thomas said, when asked about his upcoming contract, because Horford just signed a max deal, what, $113 million for four years, right? And... Sherrod asked Isaiah Thomas, he said, hey, you know, you see this money being thrown around. You got two years left in your contract. What do you think? And Isaiah Thomas said, you know what? They better bring out the Brinks truck. They better back up the Brinks truck, right? Basically saying they're going to have to pay me. That's what he said. In fact, let me read you the exact quote last year from Isaiah Thomas. Here's what he said. To Sherrod Blakely at the Summer League last year in 2016, Isaiah Thomas said, quote, they better bring out the Brinks truck. They're paying everybody else. I got to get something. End quote. That was last year. 
Fast forward a year later. The Celtics give another max contract out, this time to Gordon Hayward. 128 mil over four years, right? That's what, $32 million a season? Something like that? Isaiah Thomas, two the same guys, Sherrod Blakely, at the same place, the NBA Summer League, almost a year to the day. Almost to the day. Here's what Isaiah Thomas said to Sherrod Blakely the other night. He said, quote, and again, he was in fairness, he was asked about it because he's got one year left on his deal coming up. And he was talking about Haywood. Thinking back about Horford coming. Here's what Isaiah said when asked. Quote, I'm a max guy. I deserve the max. We just have to continue to take care of business on the court and let the cards fall where they may. I'm happy for all the gods and all the other guys getting their money because they deserve it. But my time's coming. They know they got to bring the Brinks truck out. They know that. End quote. That was Isaiah Thomas. Two years in a row. It was a deja vu moment. I wrote a column in the Boston Metro saying just that. My column in today's newspaper, it was posted online last night. I sort of teased it on my weekend radio show on WEI yesterday here in Boston. But the the premise, the, the point of my column was that Isaiah Thomas, he's asking for the Brinks truck. He's asking for max money. If the Celtics don't give it to him, somebody else will. And I don't think Isaiah's crazy for asking for it. And I don't think the Celtics would be crazy if they gave it to him. So here's Isaiah Thomas, once again, talking about the Brinks truck, once again saying he's a max guy. And, and the debate about Isaiah Thomas being a max player, it's, that's, go, that's never going to end. That's going to go on forever. It is. It is. But to me, if, even if you don't think, if you personally don't think Isaiah Thomas is a max player, now I do. I think he's a max guy. I think when you finish third in the league in scoring, you help a team to 53 wins, you're clearly a major part of the improvement of the team to the point where you get him to, East, to the East Finals, get him the one seed, right? And, you know, you think of the clutch performances on top of it. it I, 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 think, I think we've taken it for granted, to be honest with you. We've taken the, the fourth quarter performances from Isaiah Thomas for granted on top of finishing the league third and scoring. Me, personally, I think Isaiah Thomas is a max guy. But let's say you don't. Let's say you don't. If you don't, you're not the only one. There's a lot of people who don't think Isaiah Thomas is a max guy. Let's say you don't think he's one. Can you blame him for asking the Celtics for max money based on who the Celtics just gave max money to for two straight seasons? Can you blame Isaiah Thomas? I don't know how you can. You're telling me that Isaiah Thomas doesn't deserve max money from the Celtics based on who the Celtics just gave max money to. Gordon Haywood, 27 years old, is going to be making $32 million a season. What has he done for the Celtics? In fact, I'll even go as far to say, what has Gordon Haywood ever done in the NBA? A one-time All-Star last year? Had a career year last year? Contract year? He's, look, he's made major improvements in his game. He's become a shooter in this league that, you know, we look at and, and say he's going to be a big time. He's going to help this Celtics team big time with his shooting ability. Sure. But the Celtics gave, just gave him $32 million a year for four years. Just gave him max contract. When you, when you really think about it, Gordon Haywood hasn't done anything in this league. Then you go to Al Horford the year before. Al Horford, 113 mil over four years. What's that, 28 and a half mil? A season? What's Al Horford done in this league? You know, Horford, he doesn't put up the offensive numbers that Gordon Haywood does, right? So, and and I like Horford. I'm one of the people that, that's defended Horford. He was going to get max money somewhere. He decided to take it for the, for the Celtics. I think that's a good thing, right? And I think he showed in the playoffs that Horford showed in the playoffs that he can be a very valuable piece. But they sign him to a max deal. If you're Isaiah Thomas, you look at those two things and you sit back and you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. 
you mean to tell me that, and, and Isaiah Thomas loves that they're getting max money because they're coming to the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas recruited these guys. But Isaiah Thomas is sitting back going, all right, now it's my turn. And do you blame him for that? I, how could you possibly blame him for that? Honestly. I gave Isaiah Thomas a nickname. I don't know if it's going to stick. You know, I got a feeling it's not because, not because I don't think it's good. I think it's, I think it's great. Personally, I think it's a great nickname. I think he should tweet it and, and make it stick. I personally think Isaiah Thomas should bring me into the fucking negotiation room with him because then I think we'd be, you know, he'd be getting the max contract. I mean, I think he's going to get it anyways. But if he needs someone over his shoulder, like a Paul Heyman type, you know, I'll be that guy for Isaiah Thomas, right? I'll be that guy. But, I, you know, Isaiah, he should be tweeting this nickname out. Because I think it's great. Now, again, I, I don't know that other people will because, you know, how they choose to just purposely ignore shit uh, that I do. But the nickname that I, I gave Isaiah Thomas in my column for the Boston Metro, which, again, is online right now and is out there today in print on this Monday, July 10th. The reason. The reason. Not the truth. Not the answer. Not the process. The reason. Isaiah Thomas is the reason that Al Horford signed with the Celtics. Look, we're talking about the Celtics all of a sudden being a destination city in the NBA. The Boston is a des- Celtics are a destination organization. Boston is a destination city in the NBA for free agents, for big name, max money free agents. That's what we're saying now. Hard to argue when you sign two of the big-name free agents available two years in a row in Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, right? It's hard to argue that. But why? I ask yourself the question, why is Boston all of a sudden a destination city for big-name, big-money free agents? Well, it's one, it's because if you look at, we'll break it down one at a time. Let's go back to Al Horford. Al Horford chose the Celtics. Don't tell me he wasn't getting max, max money in other places. He was. Horford chose to come to the Celtics because Isaiah Thomas was recruiting him. Horford chose to come to the Celtics because he saw something with the Celtics that was pretty special, right? And what was pretty special about the Celtics two years ago? Not this past season, the season before. It was Isaiah Thomas coming into his own, being given the keys to the car. Brad Stevens saying, hey, This is your team. Let's go. Isaiah Thomas was the spark plug that led the Celtics to the playoffs two years ago. Sure, they got beat. They got beat by the Hawks. But you can't tell me that what Isaiah Thomas did two seasons ago, also in the fourth quarter in clutch performances, as at an all-star level, you can't tell me that Isaiah Thomas' performance two years ago wasn't noticed by players around the league. It was. So much so that even Kevin Durant on his free agent tour before jumping ship to the Golden State Warriors from Oklahoma City, Kevin Durant gave the Celtics a shot. He gave them one of the finalists. The Celtics were one of Kevin Durant's finalists. Tell me why that is. Because of the improvements the Celtics made. Tell me why that is. Because of Isaiah Thomas. Because of Isaiah Thomas. So when Al Horford hits free agency, Isaiah Thomas was in his ear at the All-Star break. Isaiah Thomas was recruiting him. Horford was going to get max money in other places. He chose Boston. Why? Because Isaiah Thomas was leading a team that was much improved and that was showing signs that they were going to do something special. Isaiah Thomas is the reason that Al Horford chose to come to Boston and got max money from the Celtics in the process. Fast forward to this past offseason. A year later, Isaiah Thomas is the reason that Gordon Haywood chose the Celtics. Now, Brad Stevens is going to get a lot of credit for this. And he should get some credit because he obviously built a relationship with Gordon Haywood. He coached him at Butler. You can't deny that relationship. Whether you like it or not, whether you like that, um, the, the fact that 
you know, they're using a, a relationship in college to, to try to convince us that it's going to work out in the pros, whatever. You can't deny that relationship that, that Brad Stevens and Gordon Haywood have built from their time at Butler. That's a real thing. That's part of it. But the biggest part to me for Gordon Haywood choosing the Celtics when he could have either stayed in Utah, right, or gone down to Miami and got a max contract, the reason he chose the Celtics was ultimately not Brad Stevens. It was because Brad Stevens was the coach of a 53-win team that was the one seed in the East that went to the Eastern Conference Finals that showed that they were another score away from having a real shot to, to knock off LeBron James in the East and maybe get to the NBA Finals. Gordon Haywood saw a 53-win team. But why were the Celtics a 53-win team? They were a 53-win team because Isaiah Thomas was third in the league in scoring, and was once again an absolute street beast in the fourth quarter. All right, king of the fourth. But more importantly, the better nickname for Isaiah Thomas right now is the reason. Isaiah Thomas is the reason that Gordon Haywood ultimately chose to come to Boston and play for the Celtics, and in the process, gets max money from Danny Ainge and company. Isaiah Thomas is the reason Al Horford is a Celtic. Isaiah Thomas is the reason Gordon Hayward is a Celtic. Isaiah Thomas is the reason why now we are calling Boston a destination city in the NBA. So now Isaiah Thomas is sitting back on, forget about, forget about James Harden's extension. Forget about any other contracts that have been signed recently in the NBA. Okay? Let's just... Focus on the Celtics. Let's focus on this organization. And in this organization alone, you wouldn't have Al Horford. You wouldn't have Gordon Hayward. You wouldn't be a team competing in the East if it wasn't for me. And if you're telling me that Isaiah Thomas would be wrong to make that argument, I think you are a fucking moron. All right? Isaiah Thomas has every right in the world to ask the Celtics for max money. And based on what the Celtics have done the last two years, and based on the fact that Isaiah Thomas is the reason they've done it, Isaiah Thomas deserves to get the max deal from Danny Ainge, from the Boston Celtics, and to be somebody who right now, at 28, will be 29 in February, you know, you can't argue age with the max money because Horford was 30 years old when he signed his. Sure, Haywood's 27, but Horford was 30 years old. Thomas is 28 right now. He'll begin the season as, as a 28-year-old. Don't tell me that his size is such a factor. Wait a minute, what is it? Is it the big guys, their size is a factor because of their knees, they could go at any minute? Or is it the little guys get so banged up that they can't play for a long time? They can't play past 30 years old. I want to know when 32 years old turn into 42. If we've learned anything in professional sports especially, it's that as time goes on, the early to mid-30s, that's not as old as it once was based on all the technology that we have, based on all the ways these guys train their bodies and just the things that we know now that they didn't know 20 years ago about how you can heal, about how you can recover, about how you can get stronger. Don't sit there and tell me that a guy's height is, is going to affect you on a, po- a possible decision of giving a guy a max contract. It makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense. So, as I sit here today on Monday, July 10th, and I look back at Isaiah Thomas talking about the Brinks truck, talking about being a max guy, he's not crazy. He's not saying anything that pisses me off. In fact, he makes a pretty good point. Back up the Brinks truck because I got news for the Celtics. If they don't, somebody else will. And if you're not going to give Isaiah Thomas the max money, in my opinion, you should have kept number one overall and you should have drafted Markel Fultz. And I know Fultz just had the ankle injury. They're saying that it's not that bad, but they're still going to sit in the rest of the summer league. We are going to praise our guys in this town when we watch the summer league. Sure. But if you take a step back for a minute and you actually watched Markel Fultz in the summer league games that he played, uh, you can't tell me that 
he didn't have that sort of wow factor to his game. When it comes to his handle, when it comes to his step-back jumper, his drive to the hoop, (laughs) Markel Fultz is a pretty special player. At least I think he could be. And he's a point guard nonetheless. If you were going to let Isaiah Thomas walk and not give him max money, why would you trade out of one? And I, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. So to me, you give Isaiah Thomas the max contract. That's what you do. And what you hope is that Jalen Brown is the guy you thought he was going to be. That's why you traded Avery Bradley to get Brown in the starting lineup. You then hope that Tatum, the reason you drafted him, because you liked him more than Fultz, you hope that he turns into one of those plays, and you also hope that maybe the Brooklyn pick turns into someone like Michael Porter Jr., who's a six foot ten guy who can shoot from the outside. And that Isaiah Thomas is here for the next five years as an elite scorer in this league and an elite scoring point guard. Isaiah Thomas is a max guy. He is the reason the Celtics are in position right now where they are in striking distance of doing something pretty special. Because they acquired Hayward. Because they previously acquired Al Horford. And they only acquired those guys because of Isaiah Thomas. He's not the truth. He's not the answer. He's not the process. Isaiah Thomas is the reason. And it's time for people to start acknowledging that. And hey, IT, if you do want me to come in the room with you, in the negotiation room, I will. In fact, you should come in here, big dog. We should get Isaiah Thomas in here. I see them doing, what are they doing? The Players' Tribune? They're going to be starting podcasts? Players' Tribune. Derek Jeter. Who's running that thing? Derek Jeter? You want a Boston podcast? Me and Isaiah Thomas. Right here. I got a state-of-the-art studio in Dorchester. In fact, I have remote equipment. I'll take it to Waltham or wherever the new, where's the, the new practice facility? Next to the Bruins one in Brighton? I'll take it over there. I'll take it to the Garden. I have microphones. I have, I have, it's, it's simple. It's easy. We'll do, the, we'll do a podcast once a week, twice a week, whatever you want to do. We'll do it over the fucking phone. Pick an IT on the Players' Tribune. Let's do it. I'll be Isaiah Thomas's spokesman. I'll be his Paul Heyman. What Paul Heyman is to Brock Lesnar, I'll be that to Isaiah Thomas. Let's go. He's a max guy. Back up the Brinks truck, baby, because if Danny Ainge doesn't, somebody else will. Okay? That's where I stand with IT. And I you know, I said this yesterday on the radio. I, I kind of, when I defend Isaiah Thomas, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like Paul Heyman. I kind of feel like I'm standing in a WWE ring. I, I feel like I'm cutting a promo in the WWE. Which I'd love to do, by the way. Because I, I see some of these promos. I watched, I watched their pay-per-view last night. And look, I, I t- tell you all the time, I'm a, I'm a casual wrestling fan, right? I, like, I'm not watching Monday Night Raw every week. I'm not watching SmackDown every week. I don't even watch every pay-per-view that they have. I watch the major ones. Like, I'll watch the Royal Rumble. I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll watch SummerSlam. And, you know what, well, I watch Survivor Series, and Survivor Series isn't as, as cool to me as it once was. But I'll, I'll watch the major pay-per-views. I'm a casual wrestling fan. I did watch the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view last night. And, by the way, what is up with the name? Uh, it's the first ever Great Balls of Fire. What's it, why, who came up with that? Who came up with the name of Great Balls of Fire? I don't, I don't understand. It's a stupid name for pay-per-view. Either way, I'm watching this thing last night uh, because I just had Sports Illustrated's pro wrestling insider, Justin Barrasso, on my podcast last week. Last Thursday, we went down uh, to, I told you, the UFO Wrestling Training Center in Wakefield, and we did a podcast in the ring. We set up two steel chairs in the ring, middle of the ring, talked to wrestling, and I, I, for that reason, I was keeping my eye on this Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view in the WWE a little bit more last night. I watched it. Uh, what, Brock Lesnar retained the title, beating Samoa Joe. 
Um, are they going to have a rematch at SummerSlam? I have no idea. Roman Reigns lost the ambulance match. He got to get stuffed in the back of an ambulance. I guess it's pretty funny. But the way it, he went to spear the guy, Strowman, and he missed the spear and he dove right into the ambulance. Like, they made Roman Reigns look like an idiot last night. Like, they made him look dumb. I don't know if that was the purpose. I know afterwards they were talking about how he was unhinged. Unhinged? Or just stupid? They made him look like a fucking idiot. He, he, he spe- goes to spear a guy. He misses the spear. Guy gets out of the way. Sp- dives into the back of the ambulance. And the guy just closes the door and wins the match. Now, Reigns comes out, beats up the big dude, Braun Strowman, throws him in the back of the ambulance. But then they make Reigns look like an even bigger idiot because he drives the ambulance out back. And then they show him. And he decides to put it in reverse. And he gasses it in reverse. (laughs) And he slams the back of the ambulance into another big truck. And, you know, the back of the ambulance, kind of like an accordion, sort of smashes in a little bit. And they're all concerned about Braun Strowman in the back. And I'm sitting there going, they never, no, they never showed a shot of Roman Reigns in the driver's seat as this thing has a full-speed collision in reverse. Because if you think of this logically, Roman Reigns suffered the, the worst in that one. The guy behind the wheel, and he was holding the back of his head. I think he was literally hurt. That makes him, that doesn't make him look unhinged. That makes Roman Reigns look stupid. It's like, dude, you just, you're going to hurt yourself doing that. You're trying to hurt the other guy. There's, it's more likely that you get hurt in that situation. So that was pretty stupid. But, um, so that's kind of, those are the biggest storylines I thought. But I watched afterwards, they have this raw talk, which, by the way, by the way, did they not steal that idea from me? Or did, they, did the WWE steal that idea from me? They stole from me. You can't tell me that people in WWE have not listened to the show and have not listened to my WWE ideas. They have. Because Raw Talk or the SmackDown Live talk show that they do after shows, that was my idea. I've been telling them to do that for, for years. To have sort of a sports talk show, post-game show, pre-game show. They've taken my ideas. Don't tell me they haven't. And I get Justin Barrasso on my show. He's got a lot of WWE connections. He tweets it out. Some of those guys listen. But I'm watching the Raw talk after. And they're talking with the guy Big Cass. It was Enzo and Cass. They were so entertaining together. And, And the most entertaining part was their entrance, right? They got one of those entrances where everybody gets to yell it, right? You know what I mean? Um, and you can't teach that. Like, they got, the, they got the great entrance. They collided, and Big Cass attacked them. They fought. He crushed the dude, Enzo. Big Cass is a, what's he, seven foot fucking six? I mean, you talk about promos. Big Cass cut one of the worst promos I've ever seen. He was on the raw talk, and it was it was terrible. Like he's sitting there just trying to pump himself up, but he was saying, "I always wanted to headline WrestleMania." No, 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 no. You know what? Someone like Big Cass needs to do. You know what? A lot of guys in the WWE need to do. They just cut the the promos they cut in the WWE. Just so corny. They're just so corny. Like Big Cass should have sat there, and he should have said. I want, I want the money. I, I'm a big dude. I'm seven foot six. You got me in this company where monsters have always reigned supreme. You see the other fight that went on tonight, Brock Lesnar, the beast? I want the beast. Not just because I think I can handle him and I want the belt or because I want to headline WrestleMania, but because that's where the money is. As somebody who's, who's seven foot six in this company, for, for me to be locked into a match with someone just like that little Enzo lunatic, it's embarrassing to me, and it's embarrassing to my checking account, okay? I'm in this for the money. I'm in this for the fame. How do I get that? I don't get that by fighting this little twerp. I get that by getting in with the big dogs because I'm a big dog. Look at me. I'm seven foot six, and that's what I want, all right? 
That's what he should have said. Instead, he's like stuttering his words. He doesn't, he kind of was laughing at times. You, You can't, you can't win people over like that with a promo that's that bad. It was brutal. It was a vi- it was terrible. I thought it was like I know the points he was trying to make. He just didn't really make them very well. So you know what someone like that has to do, Big Cass. And we talked about this on Thursday's podcast, and I guess this is a little extension of that. Um, he needs to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. He does, and he needs to watch Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is the best in the biz. If you're a wrestling fan, and and. You know, I've been leaning this way more and more over the last calendar year. Like, I'm an old-school wrestling fan. I was big into Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, The Ultimate Warrior, right? From WrestleManias 4 through 12, uh, 4 through 14, like, that was my time into Shawn Michaels, into, you know, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, The Rock. Those are my guys. From Hulk Hogan... To The Rock, you know, CM Punk got me in a little bit because of the promos that he cuts and because he's pretty good in the ring. But, you know, when I go back to the old school wrestling, there was so many things happening when the microphones were in their face that captivated you as the wrestling fan. But also, I thought, the you know, you, you got some interesting matches. Now, it's just so corny. What's not corny is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And when you watch this, you know, I watch a lot of it on YouTube. You get caught up on YouTube. Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro. You see the Bullet Club. They do a lot of what the NWO does. But it's great. It's great. You know, you got Kenny Omega, who in my opinion is the best in the biz. And I said this on Thursday's podcast with Justin Barrasso. And then I listened to a podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin saying the same damn thing. And... Stone Cold literally just did a podcast last week. It was on someone else's. And he just discovered Kenny Omega. He just discovered his promos, his matches, the match with Okada. I thought you watched the G1 USA special where New Japan Pro last week or two weeks ago came to the U.S. for the first time. You get to see these guys in the ring. It's physical. It's brutal. It's entertaining. It's nonstop. It's high speed. It's the ups. It's the downs. Kenny Omega. He's got the look, he's got the moves in the ring, and he's got the mouth behind the mic. I think, I'm, I call Kenny Omega the best in the biz all around. That's including WWE. Will he go to WWE? Maybe. If you looked at it right now, I think Kenny Omega should be headline of WrestleMania. Kenny Omega should be, as even Stone Cold pointed out, so I know I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking crazy pills, pills with this thought, if Stone Cold thinks the same thing, Kenny Omega should be the best in the biz in the WWE. Now, when you see some guys coming from New Japan going to the WWE, like Finn Balor or AJ Styles, you look at those guys and you and I ask myself, are they being used properly? And you know, the diehard wrestling fans come at me on Twitter, they say, Oh, AJ Styles is still one of the faces of the WWE. He doesn't need a belt for that to be the case. Or he doesn't need the... the. I know, what, AJ Styles just won a U.S. title? It's not the U.S. title. Don't, don't bring AJ Styles to the WWE and make him the U.S. champ. You should be keeping him in the loop for the WWE championship. That's what you should be doing. The fact that you had WrestleMania... And, and didn't have AJ Styles in, in the WWE Championship storyline, to me, is ridiculous. And the fact that you don't have Finn Balor with AJ Styles, or I mean, it's just insane to me that you can't take some of the storylines that they had in New Japan, carry them over to the WWE, and make it about the belts again. Make it about the WWE Championship. Right? I, I, the fact that you can't do that, or they don't do it, it makes me come back to New Japan, see what Kenny Omega's doing, and think to myself, well, if New Japan's going to make their mark in the U.S., or if they're going to begin to do that, or try to do that, maybe Omega is best served staying where he is. And I know he's going to say, well, it's about the money, and it should be. It should be. But you, you, he says that in his promos. Kenny Omega's the best. 
And guys in the WWE should watch him and watch his promos because they're real. They have a, it, it has a feel to it like, hey, you know what? Yeah, he's, he's speaking as a wrestler right now, but he's also speaking from a place deep down inside that has a real-life aspect to it. Like, that's why CM Punk's promos are so good. But these other guys in the WWE, they just come off as, like, just so corny and fake and stupid. Omega is the real deal, and in my opinion, he's the best in the biz. Now, you you look at him, you look at Bullet Club, they just added Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes leaves the WWE. They just you, To me, I admire the road that he's taken. Because he had a terrible character. He was stardust or whatever the fuck he was. Just a brutal character. And he said to himself, I'm better than this. Or I can be a big name. I can be a badass somewhere. And maybe even have a championship around my waist. A, a main championship. You know what? He went down to Ring of Honor. Won the, the Ring of Honor championship. He was in the main event at the G1 USA Special for New Japan Pro. He lost to Akata. But... He's in the Bullet Club. Some say he's the leader. He's got a he's got a nice little role. You could call him a star in Ring of Honor and now in New Japan. Right? You could. And the road that he took to get to that point, I think I admire that. And maybe we're seeing some other guys do it. Austin Aries just asked for his release in WWE. Didn't like how he's being used. Now, I don't think he can wrestle until 2019 maybe unless something special in the contract. But... Don't tell me he's not seeing what Cody Rhodes has done. Don't tell me he doesn't see Cody Rhodes' success. Don't tell me he doesn't see what New Japan Pro's trying to do in the U.S. Don't tell me he doesn't see Kenny Omega maybe taking that company on his back in the U.S. and seeing something special. I think he does. You know, I think on his way out, Austin Aries, he knocked the the writers in the WWE, which isn't crazy. I I think it's so stupid. I think they come up with dumb, fake, corny storylines. The WWE, to me, as a... And I'm saying this as a casual fan. The word I would use to describe it is corny. In the last calendar year, I have been more interested in New Japan Pro, even just watching it on YouTube. But Kenny Omega, to me, is the best in the biz. And if some of these guys in WWE, even like Big Cass last night on Raw Talk, if he wants to learn, if he wants to, you know, look at somebody and, and try to emulate the style of promos that a guy cuts, look at Kenny Omega. That's the guy they should all be looking at. Omega should be headlining WrestleMania. But because I think if he made the jump, they wouldn't let him fight for the belt or win the belt at WrestleMania, he probably shouldn't make the jump. Now, easy for me to say when it's his bank account, it's the money that he could make. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to make deci- money decisions for these guys. I'm not. I'm not making financial choices for them. They, they're adults. They can do what they want. But I'm just saying, as a casual fan, if I'm enjoying what Kenny Omega is doing right now in New Japan as they try to get to the U.S., you know, if they get their foot in the door in the U.S., maybe more money comes along with it. I would only think that's the case. You know, I, I like what he's doing. And I'm a huge fan of Kenny Omega's. Not just what he does in the ring, but also behind the mic. Sometimes I feel like Kenny Omega when I'm behind the mic. Sometimes I feel like I'm cutting a promo when we're talking about money, when we're talking about respect, right? That sometimes I feel like that. But to me, that's what, if you want to watch something, I'm telling you right now, go on YouTube, search Kenny Omega, New Japan Pro, go watch his matches, go watch them. You know, they do some Ring of Honor stuff. New, go watch it. It's, a, it, it. it's an entertaining style. It's an entertaining brand. The strong style, they call it. It's pretty cool. Get involved. I got a Bullet Club t-shirt on the way. I do. I swear to God, I do. I got a Bullet Club t-shirt on the way. Um, so that's what I've been That's what I've been doing. That's what I've been watching more than the WWE. But moving on from professional wrestling. 
Um, I close out the show here on this Monday, July 10th with some thoughts, quick thoughts on the Red Sox, Major League Baseball at the All-Star break. Red Sox in first place at 50 wins. You know, we complain an awful lot about this team. And we complain about the manager. The the guy that, what's he do? Writes the lineup card, right? The guy that, you know, makes some moves in the bullpen during a game that people don't like. Well, if you actually want to be realistic with what the Red Sox have done at this point at the All-Star break with 50 wins, the second most, most wins in the American League, in first place, three and a half games ahead of the Yankees and the Rays. They've done it. Be realistic. The Red Sox have done this without David Ortiz, which is a huge loss, not just on the field, but in the clubhouse. They've done it while missing David Price, whether you like him or not, he is one of their best pitches. He makes $30 million a season for a reason. They missed him the first two months. Rick Porcello. The guy's got 11 losses, folks. 11. I know you can't really judge a, a start and pitch season based on wins and losses. You can't do it. However, when you got 11 losses, there's something needs to be said about that. Porcello lately has had a couple of good starts, but for the most part this season, the reigning defending Cy Young winner in the American League, he's been no good. You've done this with Eduardo Rodriguez hurt. All right. You've done this with Dustin Pedroia being banged up. You've done this with some illnesses and other injuries and bereavement lists. Jackie Bradley was on the DL. Bogots missed some time. Betts missed some time. Um, you know, I'm sure there's something else that I'm missing. Oh, yeah. Carson Smith, Tyler Thornburg out of the pen. These guys were in the plans to be major pieces of the puzzle for the Red Sox. They have been non-existent. They've been hurt, rehabbing, trying to get back. They can't do it. The Red Sox are in first place with all those things that have gone wrong. And yet, it feels like, for, for the most part, all we've done, and I shouldn't say we, I haven't, all everybody or most people have done in this town is complain about the team, and they've wanted the manager to get fired. It's, it's pretty embarrassing, to be honest with you. It is. It's embarrassing. This is a first-place baseball team that people are telling me right now doesn't look or feel like a first-place team. Well, I got news for you. All the things that have gone wrong for this first-place team, when you want to actually step back and be realistic about it, it's pretty impressive what they've done, isn't it? And the manager should not be on the hot seat for, it, for managing a team that is the reigning division champ that right now is on pace to win the division again. And we have the trade deadline coming up. Who knows what they're going to do? I mean, look at third base. I mean, look at third base, what they have there, and still they're in first place, folks. Now, Chris Sale has been, you know, he's, he's already becoming a legend in this town. Craig Kimbrell's having a great season. And Mookie Betts is an all-star. You know, you still got some, some very exciting players on this team. Some elite players on this team. But they've had a lot of things. At the same time, a lot of things go wrong for them. And some of those things have been off the field. That's why, you know, David Ortiz, you can't just look at his loss and think, well, you know, you miss his 30 to, to 35 home runs. You miss his... 100 to 120 RBIs. You miss his ability to maybe even hit you 300 in the process and have an OPS that leads the league. You also miss his clubhouse presence because think of some of the things that have gone on. Look look back at the Manny Machado situation where Pedroia was in a top step at a dugout. Dustin Pedroia basically throwing his own teammates and manager under the bus in the middle of a game. Then doing it and doubling down to the media afterwards. Hanley Ramirez has said some stupid shit this year. And then, of course, you got the David Price situation. I haven't really been able to get into this. Last week on Thursday, we did a wrestling podcast. I was not here last Monday because of the holiday on Tuesday. Um, You know, 
David Price, I, there was one point where I defended him. And I defended him because when it comes to his battle with the media, I defended him because it's like, all right, he says he doesn't want to talk to the media during his off days, which I can understand. You pitch once every fifth day. What's there for David Price to say on days he doesn't pitch? Like, why do we need him to talk on those days? He doesn't. They, like, it, it, there's too much access in Major League Baseball when it comes to the media. So I defended him with that. But I cannot, I will not defend David Price when he wants to confront Dennis Eckersley on the team plan. I don't care if he's defending a teammate. I don't care if he's defending himself. The minute you start pounding your chest and gathering the troops and you lead the charge and you confront Dennis Eckersley, you're a clown. You're a boob. You're a donkey and you're a dickhead. I'm sorry. That can't happen. David Price needs to go out and pitch. Now, he's gone out and he's pitched pretty well lately. And that's what we want. That's all we want. But the David Price, who's, a, who's going after the media, who's confronting the media, I mean, 132 Granite Ave in Dorchester. Let's do the segment. Let's talk about it. Beantown Athletics. Let's talk about it. Right? I mean, let's, let's have the conversation. While I've defended Price at times, I've also been hot on him. But I think deservedly so. Rightfully so. And when he goes after Dennis Eckersley, and we're hot on him for that, he deserves to be criticized for that too. Price, not Eck. Eck's the best in the business. You know, Eck's a Hall of Famer. You can't confront Dennis Eckersley because somebody said something bad about you or one of your teammates. That is when you start to get run out of town, even if you do perform on the mound. Okay? David Price is tough to root for. He became a whole lot tougher to root for when he starts confronting someone like Dennis Eckersley. I don't care what's said about you in the media. So, um, I'm not going to lie. It's good to see Price have success on the mound lately, but it's tough to root for because of that Dennis Eckersley story. Maybe he can stop confronting media members and just go out and pitch and dominate, and, you know, he'll grow on us again. But as of right now, uh, he's tough to root for. That said, he is a key piece to the puzzle when it comes to just wins and losses. And um, he's showing that right now. And the Red Sox have 50 wins, and they're in first place. And my overall reaction to what the first half of the season has looked like and the state of the Red Sox at the all-star break, if you will, they're in a very good spot. And if you think about all the things that have gone wrong for this Red Sox team, I think you can tell, I think you could say, tell me, I'll tell you, you can say that this Red Sox team, what they've done so far, is pretty damn impressive. And I'll be interested to see what they do at the trade deadline. We have a lot of time to talk about that. And I am here every Monday and Thursday to do it. From the Beantown Athletics Studios, once again, go to beantownathletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. And don't forget, Go to DraftKings.com or download their app and play for free with my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. Get this show whenever you want at DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available, even on the Podcast One network. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I'm out. I'll talk to you on Thursday.